Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And the risen and reigning Christ Jesus comes into that prison house of fear in order to set his disciples free, to set you and me free, and to send us. That's the theme and the message I want to share with you this morning. And to get at it, I want to start with some definitions. Because there's a, a word that we say nearly every single week in church. It defines, in many respects, the essence of what it means to be the church. And yet, I suspect that for many of us, we don't really know what it means and probably don't even think about it. And that word is apostolic. Let me hear you say apostolic. apostolic. There's your $5 word for today. We're going to unpack it. Apostolic, as in when we confess in the creed, I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. Okay, well, what does apostolic mean? If you look it up in the dictionary, as I did this week, it will say, helpfully, in connection with the apostles. It's like, okay, great. I think I probably could have figured that out on my own. But in connection with the apostles, in what respect? What does that connection look like? Well, some people answer that, that it means it's an apostolic foundation. Our church is apostolic because we are founded on the witness, on the lives of the apostles. And that's certainly the case. Others will say, well, that's true, but even more important is the fact that we, are on, we have apostolic doctrine, teaching. That's what makes us apostolic because we hold to the teaching of the apostles. That's certainly the case also. But there's a, a third shade to this, one that too often gets overlooked, and which I think is actually maybe the most vital of those meanings of all. And that is that to be apostolic is to share in the mission of the apostles. It's to share in the mission of the apostles. See, the word apostolos, the Greek word apostle, apostolos, apostle, literally means sent ones. Those who are sent by Christ. Here we get at the very essence of what it means to be the church apostolic. There's a writer, a theologian guy by the name of Christopher Wright, and he says this. Listen to this. He says, it's not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. Let me say that again. It's not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. It's as though the church, the body of believers, is like a beachhead of the kingdom of God in the world, see? It's an emissary and a place where he is witnessing and sending out his people into the world, where he is establishing his reign and rule, not to stick behind these four walls, but to send his people out. That's what it means to be apostolic. But let me just put it to clear words so that you've got it. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, here you go. Uh, this is the simple definition I want to work with today for what it means to be apostolic. Sent by Christ for the life of the world. To be apostolic is to be sent by Christ for the life of the world. Throughout the season of Easter, we're going to be looking at this mission of the church. I should say God's mission for the church. We call the great sending. Today, I just want to start with this most basic level of what it means for us to be apostolic, to be sent by Christ for the life of the world. So let's start with the first part of that definition. 
sent. There's a, a quote from Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple. He once said this, real artists send. Real artists send. And what did he mean by that? I think it was Steve Jobs' kind of way of saying that, should we hide it under a bushel basket? No, we've got to let it shine. For him, that meant laptops and smartphones. Uh, but what I think it's getting at is this notion that if you have a gift, you need to share it, to send it, to ship it out for the sake of others. That's the way that that gift is truly realized, is in the sending. Now, we have a God who is a real artist. We have a God who is a God of sending. We see this pattern throughout the scriptures. I wrote about it a little bit this week, but our God is a sending God. It's a pattern that's established at least as far back as Moses and the Israelites. When God sees his people in slavery, he sends Moses in order to deliver them. Going on from there, when they uh, fall into all manner of, of disrepute and when they are struggling and finding themselves enslaved in their own sins in a, a new way, he sends judges, Gideon and other deliverers, in order to set them free. He sends Isaiah and the other prophets. I always thought that was a good name for a band, by the way, Isaiah and the prophets. He sends Isaiah and the other prophets in order to give his word of forgiveness and release. Sending, sending, sending. This is who God is. And this sending finds its summit in his son, in Christ Jesus. It says in 1 John chapter 4, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the preeminent apostle, the preeminent sent one. And the father, who is that great artist, who is the sending God, has this labor of love that he sends to you and to me. I think this is important, especially when we're thinking about God's mission in the world, is that it ever and always starts in you and me. Sometimes there can be this temptation for Christians just to focus on all that we're, we're going to do out there, and it can burn you out if you don't recognize and realize day by day that this sending is first and foremost for you. It's for you. The love that Christ has for you. And it occurred to me this week that there is another definition of send. We don't use this as often. But to be sent is to be so filled and overflowing with love and affection. It's like that old song, that soul song from Sam Cooke. You remember this one? You send me, darling, you send me. Come on. <laughs> honest, it's true. Honest, it's true. Honest, it's true. God sends you. Sends you first in that, that foundational meaning that he loves you, that he fills your cup to overflowing. Honest, it's true. So to be apostolic, first and foremost, is to be sent. Sent by the Father, filled to overflowing with his love. Now, you are sent also by Christ. Sent by Christ. And here's where the words of Jesus in today's gospel get downright terrifying and startling. Because what does he say? He says, just as the Father has sent me, even so 
I am sending you. Let me hear you say, even so. Those are the scary words, y'all. Even so. Because God has sent Jesus into the world, and now he sends his church in that same way. See, the body of Christ is an extension of the mission of Christ in the world. The body of Christ is an extension of the mission of Christ in the world. It's interesting, if you read the book of Acts, which is all about how that mission continues. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Uh, The author, Luke, says, And now, O dear Theophilus, I wrote to you my previous gospel, the account of all the things that Jesus began to do. All that he began to do. say, wait a second, but wasn't he done at the end of the 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 gospels? You know, kind of the the curtain fell and happy ending and that's it? It's like, no, no, no. He's just getting started. And this mission now continues through you and me as his sent ones who are sent by Christ. That's who we are. But understand that to be sent by Christ is also to be sent with Christ. To be sent by Christ is also to be sent with Christ. We're not so much like post officer, postmen, who are just sending out packages that we don't have anything to do with, right? You're just shipping something in the mail. You're more like ambassadors. It's a word we use a lot around here. You're more like ambassadors who are sharing in that authority, that presence of the one who has sent you. See, Jesus says, I am with you always. It's his authority. It's his mission. And this really underscores that fact, that when we are sent by Christ, it's with his authority. It's his mission. And that's also why he breathes on the disciples. Kind of a strange little detail, right? This is not some holy halitosis from our Savior. Like, oh, oh, Jesus, you need some gum there. No. Is that irreverent? Sorry. Um, He breathes on them to breathe on them the Holy Spirit, the living presence of the Savior who lives and dwells in you and me. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is kind of like my dog, Theo, in this one respect. He doesn't like to stay. He doesn't like to stay. But he's constantly getting up, moving out. That's the way that the Spirit works. A fancy word for that is that he has this centrifugal force to it. It's fleeing out from the center. It's moving out, breaking out. And so we see it with the disciples here in the gospel. As they are locked up with fear behind locked doors. And Jesus does that cool resurrected Jesus thing where he's just able to go through walls. And then fills them with his life-giving spirit, his very presence within them, which has that centrifugal, outsending force. But when they go, sent by Christ, when you and I go, sent by Christ, know this, that you are sent with Christ. It is ever and always his mission. It's not ours. It's not the mission of the church. It's the mission of Christ. And Jesus comes alongside and he's like, hey, you guys want to follow me? You want in on this? I'm carrying out a great adventure in the world, and I'd love for you to come along with me. You in? That's the invitation. That's the summons. That's what it means to be apostolic, is to be sent by Christ. But sent by Christ for what purpose? What's the the content of this commission? That's the last piece of that definition. We are sent by Christ for the life of the world. 
for the life of the world, to free people from the deathly prison of sin and guilt and shame, and to bring them into the life and freedom of forgiveness in Christ, the forgiveness that we so desperately need. Now this mission, the purpose of this mission, is powerfully illustrated in the movie, wait for it, The Mission. (coughs) You could have guessed that, but there it is. If you haven't seen it, I really recommend it to you. An 80s movie starring Robert De Niro as this character Mendoza. And he is just this despicable character at the beginning. He is a slave trader, a mercenary, and a murderer. He kills countless of these natives who had become Christians under the, the ministry and outreach of this priest, Father Gabriel. Until finally, Mendoza, we see the, the depths of his evil and the way that sin has a grip on his heart when he kills his own brother. He kills his own brother. Now, that killing is in the context of a duel, and so actually, he doesn't have to go to prison for it. But Mendoza, Robert De Niro's character, he sends himself to prison, stays locked up, and refuses to come out. Refuses to come out. And this is the way that so many people are, that you and I can be sometimes. When we're overwhelmed with guilt and shame, we'd rather stay locked up in our sin than to be set free. In the movie, Father Gabriel, played by Jeremy Irons, he, he comes to that prison house where Mendoza is. And he invites him, he tells him, he's like, you don't have to stay here. And Robert De Niro's character says, no, there's no life for me out there. And Father Gabriel says, what if there is? I dare you to try. And he even calls him a coward. Hmm. Sometimes when Jesus talks about the, uh, not only forgiving but retaining sins, that's when we need to call people out who are dwelling in that prison house and saying, you don't have to live here anymore. This is what the scriptures mean by repentance. It's that summons to leave the prison house that God does not call you or cause you to stay in permanently. But then, and here's where I really want to go with this. We see Mendoza, De Niro's character, he takes him up on it. He comes out. But for his penance, he insists on carrying around this giant pack. Picture just this great big net, and it's filled with all of the armor and all of the implements of Mendoza's past life, symbolically and significantly. And we see them, and they're in the jungles of South America, and they are, are on this trek as they're going over and hiking, even hiking up waterfalls, and still Mendoza is carrying behind him this heavy bag. He's falling down, he's stumbling, but he insists on bringing it along. And, and some of the other priests are saying to Father Gabriel, like, he just needs to be rid of it already. He's like, I know, I know he does, but he thinks that he's not ready to let go of it yet. And so he keeps on carrying that burden so many people do. Till finally this moment comes where they're up on top of this high cliff and they've climbed up and Mendoza gets up to the top of the bluff and he just breaks down. He can't carry it any longer. And then one of the, the folks, the natives from the tribe, these native Christians who had seen brothers and sisters killed by this very man, he grabs this great big dagger and he comes up to Mendoza and he holds it to his throat, and then he cuts the rope and pushes it over into the waterfall below. This is a picture of the privilege and the responsibility that you and I have 
as sent ones. As there are countless people, your neighbors, who are carrying their guilt around like Mendoza carrying that sack. Or even are staying in the prison house altogether and thinking, no, I could never be free. I could never have life. But Christ has come to set you free so that you might set them free. He sends you to send away sins the way that that man sent away Mendoza's sins. What a calling. What a summons. What a gift. This is what it means for us to be apostolic. Sent by Christ for the life of the world. But I'll close with this. I know that many of you are probably sitting there this morning thinking, that's cool that God's doing that. I'm all for it. God, you keep it up. I'll be right here rooting you on. Or maybe even rooting on, you know, professional types, pastors and that kind of thing. Like, it's good for you guys to be sent out. But as for the rest of us, not so sure about that. Well, let me say, first of all, that if you have that thought, you're in good company. Again, going back to Moses and the prophets again and again, they're like, God, um, can you send somebody else? Seriously? Like, this is, not, this is not my gifting. This is not where my passion's at. And God's like, don't care. You're still going. But let me also share with you just briefly a story to encourage you also. About one of the, perhaps one of the greatest missionaries that the world has ever seen. A guy whom I'll call Diddy. And Diddy, he went over land and sea. He crossed multiple continents. In fact, he's credited with being the founder, the human founder of the church. Like the church, period. Not any particular denomination, but the church in India and Sri Lanka. He went and he proclaimed the gospel in the Middle East and as far as China until finally he died a faithful martyr's death, catching a spear in his side, even as his savior did. He was undoubtedly one of the greatest missionaries in the history of the church. And who is Diddy, also known as Didymus? You know him better as Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas was brought to faith in our Lord Jesus and sent out, not in spite of his doubts and his struggles and his failures, but because of them. See, when God sends you and me out, he uses not only all of your good things and all of your strengths, he uses also your weaknesses, the baggage that you've been able to let go of and maybe even the stuff that you're still carrying, the experiences that you've had. He uses all of that and sends you out in order to reach the world. We might not want it, we might not expect it, but even so, there it is. He sends you. Honest he does. Honest he does. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our creed.